Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. We are live here on Night Shift. I'm Eric Lopez. Drew Glukoff joining me here. UCF victorious over Michigan, 85-71. I know that's something that sounds good for Drew for many reasons. Oh, hearing warms a Michigan my loss. born and raised Buckeye heart. Uh, make sure, of course, you follow us on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. We, of course, another edition of Night Shift here. We're going to uh, answer your questions and comments. We'll read them. You can follow us on Facebook as well as on Twitter, on Twitter as well. And, of course, on our, you can listen to this on our podcast feed. Uh, as well, where you listen to our regular black and gold banneret.com uh, content. And of course, you can have our podcast there weekly and uh, black and gold banneret.com, which we had you in depth coverage of the mission game. Kyle Nash is at the game covering the game. Noah Goldberg is there shaking photos. You'll see all of that on our site, black and gold banneret.com, uh, for all this coverage of the mission game. But true. Wow, that's all I got to say first. What, what a, a game. second half. 85-71 UCF with the victory. What a turnaround. And we'll get to this later on the show. Why A lot of you missed the first half because the game did not air on ESPN2 because uh, it was on ESPN News. We'll get to the reasons why for that. Blame Josh Heupel for that. We'll get to that later, why that is. But, so... It was a five-point game. Nothing really extraordinary. First half, some back and forth. Dylan Gabriel had a, 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 a not Dylan Gabriel. He's gone, long gone. Uh, Darren Green, he's here, and then kept UCF in the game. But nobody else really stepped up offensively. Second half, Michigan gets off to a fast start. They're up twelve, and I'm thinking, oh boy, this could get away from them. And I even tweeted out at Eric Lopez. He goes, Who's going to step up other than Darren Green to score? Well, then Braylon Mayhem must have heard it because he lit it up, scored 22 points in the second half. UCF went on a torrid pace, 54 points in the second half, shot over 70% from the field, and run away from Michigan to pick up a significant 85-71 win. And arguably, I said this on the podcast, Drew, this week, the biggest non-conference home game in UCF basketball history. Great crowd out there, and they deliver a big win. I mean, I'm gonna, I am I have to kind of go in between on the biggest one because Mich- Michigan should have been the biggest one, but they, they, they've been a disappointment this year. You know, let's be honest. They they were a top 15 team that, that came out 7-4. and four. They weren't ranked, but I would say it's probably the biggest – from a stature standpoint, I mean that Michigan is is a blue blood program. That that's a big win. Obviously, you you wish they were ranked, you know, and they had a better run and, and would really help UCF out, you know, with that net rating, you know, towards the end of the season. But it's a big game. 
uh, you know, was, they they rose to the occasion. Brandon Mayhem was on fire in the second half. Uh, as a team, they were eight for eight three pointers in the second half. I mean, they just could not miss. Uh, that's both good and not so good. You know, on the good side, hey, it propelled them to 54 points in the second half. They outscored Michigan 54-36. That's huge to, to pull away. On the bad side, man, good luck trying to do that again. Uh, I mean, that that that's basically, you know, you got the cheat codes in. You got that one-time Konami code and Gradius that you put in or in Contra. Uh, then you're on your own the rest of the way because that was, that was, you know, that was phenomenal. I mean, it was NBA jam. They hit a few shots. They're on fire. They couldn't miss anything else. Uh, but Eric, I- I'll be honest. I, that also opens door for concern because you look at the three pointers, which they were, you know, green seven of nine mayhem five of seven, everyone else. Oh, for four. <laughs> and it, it was a two man show, you know, green with 27 points, mayhem with 26. No one else got in the double figures. Uh, so I, and mayhem, is not a consistent player. You know, he did he did great against Florida State last year and then vanished to the point where they had to send a search party looking for him. Uh, I'm concerned it could happen again, you know. Uh, but, you know, enjoy the win. You know, we don't want to rain too much on the parade. Enjoy the win, but get ready for the next one. Well, to your point, uh, Mayhan, 22 points, 7 of 7 from the floor in the second half, 5 for 5 on the three-point line in the second half, all second half. Really, if, if you've been following this program, it reminds you a lot of the Florida State game last year. In fact, I did a night shift with Brian Murphy. I remember Brian was tossing his hat. You know, we were going, we were going crazy. We were excited because Mayhan had a similar performance like tonight. Uh, the difference was then he didn't really duplicate that again the rest of the year. Darren Green, on the other hand, has been doing this all year. He's been their best pl- offensive player this season. He's been their go-to guy. He's a he is now it in conversation with Matt Williams as possibly the best three point shooter in the history of the program, maybe the best shooter. Period. Forget. <laughs> I did tweet he's Matt Williams incarnated. <laughs> he might be better. I think he's a better offensive player right than Matt Williams ever was, and I think that's the debate for shooting. He's been there the whole time. He's been the constant. Mayhan's a wild card. You're right. You know, you look at UCF when they've been successful. Going back to last year, the scoring came from Darren Green. Uh, Mahan and Isaiah Adams. Now, Adams, you know, only three minutes tonight uh, in the game against Michigan. You know, just it, it was an interesting game. Dawkins decided, kind of went different. When you have, you know, depth, you have some different options. But he kind of, uh, from a, he kind of really played a lot of the guys, This, you know, shortened the bench a little bit. I think he went with the hot hands, and I don't blame him for that. Uh, but two guys scoring offensively, and then Jameel Reynolds, Really gave him some nice minutes off the bench offensively. The bigs for UCF. This is not going to show up on the box score here, Drew. But I thought Mbake, he's made an impact all year. The the stat line only says 9.7 rebounds. What it doesn't tell you, two blocks. What it doesn't tell you is that him and C.J. Walker and Reynolds, they did a nice job in the paint. One of the concerns I had was the interior game against Michigan. Michigan crushed UCF last year inside with Dickinson. Dickinson, who was a monster in last year's game, held to 12.9 rebounds in this game. Uh, UCF actually out-rebounded Michigan in the second half of the game. And, uh, and, you know, they only lost the rebound battle by five. They were down double digits at one point in the rebounding category. The, the bigs inside, I thought, were huge for UCF in this game against Michigan. 
obviously the offense took care of itself on fire, but the interior defense for UCF, which we spoke to Taylor Young about that on the podcast, which we encourage you to check out if you haven't checked it out yet, because we kind of also talk about the rest of the year. This is the best interior defense UCF's had since obviously Taco Fall uh, was wearing the black and gold here. Oh, well, I mean, it's without a doubt. When you have a big man that's bigger than most men, it's going to disrupt things in the middle. And, you know, even though Michigan has their own big man in Hutchinson, uh, he got in foul trouble, and it really changed the complexion of, of the game. He wasn't really able to, to let loose as much. And UCF was able to avoid getting into foul trouble. I mean, no one had more than two fouls for for the Knights. That's huge. Dickinson had four. He was back against the wall. Two other Wolverines with three. That that's huge. Having that control of the of of the fouls makes a big difference because it changes how you play. You you can you you're not as aggressive. You kind of have to take a a much more passive approach to to playing defense. And they were able to work their way inside. And then the pass is out. And, and of course, Mayhem and Green were just on on absolute fire. I and mean, they got they had napalm poured on it. It stuck to them. It burned, and and it just everything was just going up in flames. Uh, the you know you look at the rest of the scoring, and it was quiet. Uh, Darius Perry, you, you expect more out of him. O for nine from the field, had six points, all from the free throw line. Uh, but he was able to dish the ball out. Had seven assists. You know, moving the ball around. You, while you expect better shooting, obviously that that end of the half dunk was a little bit of a timing blunder. Uh, if, it, if he went for the layup, that would have been two points. But uh, uh, the fact that he's still distributing the ball uh, is important. You know, you need that field general out there, even when he's having a rough night, uh, still doing what he needs to do to help will this team to win. He's you know obviously he's one of the most experienced guys on the team. But they need that. Obviously, we talk, you talked about Isaiah Adams. Uh, he's been kind of a, a disappointment all, all year. He's just been – just hasn't been the same guy we saw last year. Yeah. You know, hasn't been not, able to get into a rhythm this year yet. Uh, hasn't been able to get in a rhythm, and he's kind of falling out of the rotation. I mean, he played 13 minutes, and, and he was tied for second lowest on the team in, in minutes. You know, you had Reynolds at 12. You had Freeman and Adams at 13. That That's not a lot of time. And he's he was two for five from the field, 0 for two for three – you know, four points and a couple fouls. That's it. That's his whole line. That that that's not what you expect out of the guy who's lit it up last year. And, and then C.J. Walker is the other guy. I mean, he's such a high energy guy, but uh, you know, you you expect more on the offensive side, and, and you're just not seeing it. You know, four points, you know, two for three from the field, five rebounds, had a couple assists, but you know, 23 minutes, and and that's all you generated. You know, those are both uh, below their season average. I mean, C.J. Walker's average. Had three blocks, though. He had three blocks, five boards. He's not going to be a – you know, Reynolds, I would argue, kind of gave him some punch offensively inside with five points, a couple of baskets, two boards, created some charges himself defensively. I don't know if offensively you're going to – you can expect, especially against these Michigan size, that they're going to be able to score a ton. Remember, you got to stay – you got to step up. To, to these big schools, especially, you know, if you get in the postseason play, these are the schools you're going to be facing. So this this actually is great for UCF, you know, win, lose, or draw, because you get that, you know, that chance to actually work against a team that you may face again in the postseason. Because Michigan's going to be at least an at-large in the NCAA tournament. They're, yeah, they're, they've been kind of a disappointment, but they they still have a decent, you know, record right now. They're 7-5, they're to five, but they've had some good wins. 
and and they have a lot more time in the, in the Big Ten to kind of work on some of those bottom feeders. But CJ Walker averages just under ten points a game. So I mean, you add, you expect a little bit more, uh, especially in your in your bigs. Yeah, I mean, Michigan does have good bigs, but that that's part of uh, of the auto conference slate is you want to play oh, no question no question to get your guys to rise up and we saw that out of, of mayhem you know he, he rose up and he seems to rise up in those the you know the florida state you know now he's got to keep it going to the conference play it didn't happen last year this was the last auto conference game for ucf this year the rest is is all is all in the american you know they lost out on on the Florida State game, got got canceled. So that's it. Now it's time to move on and and and, and focus on the American. You won't see that kind of front court talent maybe outside of uh, uh, you know in the league. Houston's got some bad injuries that are mounting up. Uh, they they're looking towards a big collapse. Yeah, Marcus Sasser out for the year with an injury. We'll see how Kelvin Sampson and Houston respond to that. And I think that's why this is a big win for UCF. It's also a big win for the America because it's been a down so far season for the American in basketball. Memphis has had massive issues. Uh, losing to Tulane, shorthanded. They just, you just don't know where they're going. No marquee wins in the league. This was a big pickup for, for the league to get a UCF to try to move up there with Houston, perhaps, as maybe being a contender in the American. They were talking about that on the telecast. If Brandon Mayhem, to your point, Drew, if he can show up like this on a more consistent basis, UCF's a different team. Oh, yeah. And you and 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 Mike Doty makes a very good point in our in our comments. If you've got two guys lighting up, the others don't have to step up as much. But remember, Mayhem didn't show up until the second half. So I mean, you know, Green was was on fire the whole game. I mean, that, that's just what he does. Uh, he, he C3, he B3. Uh, so you need, you need someone in the first half to, to rise up. And, and, and it was an ugly first half. I mean, there were, there was a lot of mistakes on both sides. I mean, UCF's strength is their defense and, and they forced Michigan to a lot of errors, but they themselves, I mean, there's, even though Michigan did themselves in the second half, there is no excuse for a turnover on the inbounds. None. And you see, yeah, how I was screwed up. Yeah, yeah. There's no excuse for that. That's just mental. That that's not even anything really complex. That's just basic mental fundamentals. And you got to get that out of your head. You 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 got to get those jitters out of there. Uh, no program your face is going to be that big that you're going to get in your own way. So um, shake off the cobwebs. You know, uh, I mean that part. I, I I wanted to throw something at the TV, but my wife would have killed me if I did. Yeah, I wouldn't have recommended. <laughs> By the way, people have commented, uh, uh, reach out. No, uh, for the record, you meant Dickinson, not you were talking. You mentioned uh, Hutchinson in foul trouble. You meant Dickinson. Obviously, there's a Hutchinson's getting prepared for a football game. Yeah, uh, I, it's it, there's an incident in there, and and you know the the list Dexia kicks in, and you start putting words in different letters in different places, and before you know, you have a whole different person. Uh, comments here, ja- Jessica Sheldon. Oh my God, this has to be one of the biggest wins in school history. It's, it's, a big, it's, it's a big true. win. It's yeah. a big home win, which UCF doesn't have a huge track record of. Uh, I'd say their biggest win, obviously, is still that that UConn win at the Battle of Atlantis when they that was a neutral court. Uh, was a neutral Bahamas, court, right? Uh, I would say that's their biggest regular season win. Uh, this is up there in their biggest home win. Obviously, well, I disagree with that. Well, it's are, are we talking there. non-conference not- or are we talking non-conference or overall? Well, I, I I like to separate them. I would put it as a non-conference thing. Because, okay, okay, that's different. I mean, 
uh, conference play you don't really have control over. Uh, okay. Yeah, you know, it just kind of is. I, I kind of put this a little bit below College of Charleston just because they were a ranked team and they were the first of the well, ranked here, teams. Here's what I would say, because if we included conference, I think the biggest regular season win in program history was the Houston game on when College game day was there. Well, that was and- away. We're talk, that we're was away, right? Right. I, right. I, 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 was, I, I was just as far as home. You could argue maybe that senior night against Cincinnati that year, which you at you know the storm the court senior night for BJ Taylor Taco Fall. You knew at that point, you know Brian, our old buddy Brian Murphy mentioned he was there. He knew at that moment when they won that game, they were going to the NCAA tournament and end that drought. They hadn't been to the tournament since two thousand five. They when you won that game against Cincinnati, it was almost like an unofficial punch of the ticket to the tournament. But that was a conference game, and that's why I wanted to make the 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 dis, you know difference. You can make the argument that this could end up being the biggest home win. It depends on a couple of things. Depends what how, both teams do. Bingo. How does Michigan? Because obviously, I watched the post game, and not a you know Seth Greenberg and Lafonso Ellis. They were crushing Michigan. Look, Michigan has struggled. You know, we spoke to our buddies at Maze and Blue, who's been covering them, and they you know they miss Franz Wagner, who's playing with the Magic, and. Their, their defense intensity isn't what it was a year ago. So they got some questions. I still think they're talented. I think they'll figure it out. So, but we'll see how they do. And then we'll also see what UCF does. Cause as I mentioned a year ago, me and Brian were doing the same show with the same context after UCF went to Tallahassee and beat Florida state who was ranked. And we said, wow, this is huge. And then what happened was UCF uh, got caught in some COVID protocol issues and they never really recovered from that. And so because of the circumstances, we don't know. But look, let's be real. Uh, it's still all the positive. There's nothing wrong with beating Michigan. This is a good problem, good conversation to have. It's up there. This will be a memorable performance, a memorable night for this program. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be memorable. Uh, and, and you're right. It really depends on how the season shakes out. UCF, 9-2. and two, um, they, they should be receiving votes in the polls. I don't expect them to be ranked yet. Uh, you know, Michigan's a good win. Unfortunately, they're not that good of a win uh, just because of, of their disappointing start. But UCF keeps winning. The, the pollsters are going to notice. Uh, and, and, you know, with, with Houston, uh, you know, facing the, a cliff in front of them, opportunity for, for the Knights to really jump ahead. I mean, this is a team that really has figured himself out. I mean, you know, you look at, you know, they popped the stats up, and we knew this going into the season. Almost the entirety, almost the entirety of minutes and points came back. I mean, this is a team with experience and with chemistry, and you're seeing it. You're seeing the extra pass, the defensive rotation. You, know, you don't you don't just get that out of, uh, out of a vacuum. That takes chemistry and understanding of the different players on the court and what each guy can do and communication that takes time and they've got it and completely made a well-coached Michigan team look lost on the court. You know, Jawan Howard is an excellent coach, an excellent coach. And uh, with the experience that these players had, I mean, it made Dawkins job easier and it made Michigan look silly in the second half. Matt J uh, chimes in chimes in with the the arena looked like it was going off when the comeback started. Boy, it was electric. We don't. Oh man, it was a fun atmosphere. It literally looked like on TV. Uh, it wasn't as packed as you know. There, it, was, it was being hyped a lot as close to a sellout and this and that. 
there were some empty seats. I don't know if that's just people were standing around. Maybe there's some space. I'm not going to be critical with everything that's going on about it. There are a lot of Michigan honest, fans but, there, though. Well, that's you know that's not it's not a surprise uh, to well, say I mean, the least. It makes sense. You know, you've got the big game in Miami tomorrow. It makes sense. Yeah, it's a nice few hour drive. Uh, they could officially do that. This is night shift. Eric Lopez alongside Drew Blutkoff. Let's bring in our third member of the team. Hey. <laughs> Bryson Turner. Hey, uh, you've been following social media. What's been kind of the feedback right now on social media from this game? Uh, actually, guys, I'm having a little bit of a camera trouble. As you can see, my I got a new laptop for Christmas, and so my camera zoom. I got to go back out and log back in real quick so I can zoom <laughs> out a little bit so that way I'm not zoomed in my face. So give me a second. Let me. Right, First world gonna... problems. Man, technical <laughs> issues. My computer's with too new. Anyway, all right. He comes in. I think he's going to get some comments for us. All right, we'll continue. We got some more comments here. Fallen <laughs> Hero writing, Dark Horse NCAA tournament team. Well, it could be. Uh, it could I, they're, be. They're it, still it, in the thick of it. Yeah, this helps. This helps. You lose this game, Drew. You really don't have anything on the resume from a non-conference standpoint. You lost a close game to Oklahoma. Uh, lost at Auburn. You don't get the FSU game. So at least you have something here to work with. You're still going to have to do very well in the conference. There's a lot of pitfalls there. Could be a wide open league. I think it's a two bid league, maybe three bid league, depending on how everything plays out. But this is a good start. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, UCF going into today, obviously it's not updated yet, but they're ranked 50th in the uh, whatchamacallit, the the net rankings. Michigan, 36th. So obviously that's an important quad one victory. Michigan 0-3 in, in quad one games. UCF now one and one. Uh, that you know, and we, as we know, the out of conference schedule as a for the conference is what differentiates one conference versus the other. You know, you lose those games, the whole conference just shifts down, and, and that's what's going to hurt UCF because they have to play, you know, a South Florida who who's absolutely horrendous right now in in their their net rings. They're two forty sixth, Tulsa two ten, Tulane one ninety two. Uh, in fact, then you East Carolina and Temple are in the 150s. And it, once you get past them, you get a big break. Uh, SMU is the next one at 70, and it goes up there. But UCF second in the conference in net rankings at 50. Uh, that I mean, that's both good and not so good because that means UCF is going to be playing down a bit on these with these teams as opposed to playing up to pull the rankings up. So they can't afford to lose to, you know, an East Carolina Correct. or a Tulsa. They can't afford that. That that could take them out of turn, you know, of tournament. Well, and I know I know this is something you don't you probably you don't like to say, but if you're a UCF fan, you're going to become a Michigan fan the rest of the year. Ugh, no. You're going to have I've Well, you may not, but a lot of everybody standards. else is. Can't you do want it. you want the resume to that win to look better and better, especially if they're going to play in the Big 10, which is a strong league, so you, you hope that win kind of gains traction as the rest of it goes. Some interesting comments here. I, had, uh, I would rather have four and a half gallons of mayonnaise poured over me than have to root right. for Michigan. For those that don't know, Drew's got family background. He's Ohio State. We're not going to get into Cleveland. all that. Cleveland. Yeah, <laughs> I know you are. Uh, question. This was the first night I actually felt Darius Johnson was the better court general. I, I mean, Darius Johnson was the highly recruit four-star. Getting the minutes there behind Darius Perry. I mean, the future's bright. Johnny Dawkins has compared him to a, a B.J. Taylor type. He makes good decisions. 
Uh, I thought he was solid in his 16 minutes, of, uh, in his 21 minutes of play, four points, three boards, four assists. He's getting better and better by the day. Darius Perry had a quiet night, six points from the uh, in the game, 0 for 9 from the field, 6 of 8 from the line. Did have seven and assists, though. And, and Drew, and this is my – that's the step. That's the key. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I was saying before. You know, you can have an off night, but your point guard still has to be able to distribute the ball and, and at least get it to, to guys who can make their shots. And so he he was getting it to, to, to Mahan. He was getting it to Darren Green. They were making their shots. And in fact, Mahan and Green were, were pretty good at passing the ball too. Green with four assists, Mahan with three of his own. You know, that that's some good ball distribution. You know, if – if one guy's covered, get it to the other guy and, and let him shoot it up because in that second half, neither could miss. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is Night Shift here on the Black and Gold Bannerette. Derek Lopez looks at Drew Glukoff. All right. Turner back here with us. All right. He's back. All right. A little bit better. So, uh, yeah, I hope you guys like it. Brand new laptop, brand new camera. Love it. And uh, honestly, (laughs) I, and honestly, looking through social media reaction, I think this is a a brand new team uh, in a sense for UCF to root for because really think about the timing of this game tonight. UCF football goes and defeats the Florida Gators in the Gasparro Bowl. Football season officially done. The very next game for the UCF men's basketball team is against this Michigan team, which is probably one of their, which is their biggest non-conference matchup of the season. And they go win it by 14 points. Absolute, just absolute perfect timing. Absolute perfect timing for that. So I think that's because I'm looking on social media and I'm basically seeing, uh, I'm seeing a lot of reactions of just absolute wow from well, a lot of people. One of them, one, that um, holy 14 shirt balls from the good place. One of them, uh, <laughs> one, of them is, um, one of them is UCF to all of college sports. And, it, and it's that thing from Captain Phillips where the guy, where the guy goes, look at me, look at me. I'm the captain now. And uh, I'm just, um, that's, um, it's major from across of, of everyone just being completely shocked that UCF men's basketball managed to pull this, managed to pull this. This is a uh, good team. Off. I don't know why everyone's and so then, shocked. And then, well, team. I think it's just because even with UCF faithful, because UCF faithful has been following football for the longest time. So this is the first time in a while. This is truly the first time this season that UCF men's basketball does not have football to compete with anymore. And okay. now, although and it now looked like for a while that we did with our former coach freaking taking forever to play and the game gets moved. I mean, I was thinking to myself, this okay. team is hey. cross crunch. But yeah, now here's the know. tweet that is interesting. So I don't know if you guys heard this, but Mike O'Donnell tweeted out our good friend after, yeah. after the game at nine, UCF at nine, alum, at nine Michael after the game, he said he said i tried to tell a lot of folks two things about this at ucf mvv team one ncaa tournament talent two 
Darren Green Jr. needs to be in the conversation as one of the most lethal shooters in the nation. And speaking of which, you guys were talking about Matt Williams. Did a little bit of digging. This is the um, his seven made three-pointers tonight. Ties for the fifth most in program history alongside Matt Williams against Florida Tech. Uh, Mike, uh, Mike O'Donnell himself versus Rollins in 2006. Gary Johnson versus UConn. And Harry Kennedy versus Southeast Louisiana State. And the last time that anybody at all has scored that many three-pointers, Matt Williams versus USF in January 2017 when he scored 11. That's how long it's been since someone has scored that many three-point shots in a single game. Absolutely phenomenal from Darren Green and Brandon Mahan. Those two combined for 62% of UCF's total total scoring, scoring points. Absolute domination from the two of them tonight. I, I do want to point out, um, point out something that, that kind of elevates Green's results. Those first two games he mentioned, the O'Donnell one and the Matt Williams one, those were against D2 schools. This is not a D2 school. Now, this is this is a tournament-quality Division One school, and he's still going off. So, I mean, that that actually just elevates the value of what oh, yes. Darren Green did. I mean, you're talking about – I mean, we've been talking about Matt Williams and – about Matt Williams and – I mean, for me, I just think the most impressive one is the fact that Matt Williams had his 11.3-pointer game against USF. 11 threes, yeah. In 2017. This is the first time that – this is the first time that anyone has gotten seven – has scored seven or more three-pointers since then. Just – well, and he made it look easy, and everybody's starting to pick up. John Rosting, the college basketball insider, the big best – I think to me he's the – He was hamming up before the game. Yep. Uh, He goes, here's his tweet I'm posting. Don't call UCF the sleeper team in the American Athletic Conference anymore. Knights with a statement win over Michigan and Darren Green Jr. Intergalactic range. That's good way. So much. And again, he tweets again. So much Matt Williams in Darren Green Jr. So everybody's on the same page on this. I, 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 you know, he's, he's, you know, the reincarnation of Matt Williams. And what, what really set that off is he's like, four or five feet behind the arc and he just unloads it and it's perfect. And that was Matt Williams thing because he could be anywhere on the court and hit a shot. Uh, but to answer Mike Doty's question, no, Southeastern Louisiana is a real school. They're in the Southland conference. Southeastern Louisiana state is the water boy. Uh, by the way, I want to bring up lonely bumblebee shame on us. Drew as longtime UCF people, uh, lonely bumblebee, bring it up. I think Florida was the biggest, quote, home win. Now, there's a quote, an asterisk there, because the game was at the Amway Center. There's that another the reason ch- why. <laughs> the Chandler, oh, because it technically Because happened, UCF right? had to forfeit that game. Yeah. It, it's not Whatever. Whatever. I, it is what it is. Um, the record I was in that building, man. UCF winning that game. I was in that and building. And they never will. It happened. Well, I was in the building. It happened. I watched um, it as it happened. I was, I was freaking out when Marcus Jordan – Made that 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 shot that just you know that was the the, the winning shot to to kind of yeah. seal the deal. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, it you know things happened. It's not in the record books. It'll never be official as a UCF win. I can't put it as the top. Aside the fact that it wasn't at you know UCF's arena anyway. It was downtown. Hey man, uh, that was a good that's, building. That's man. like playing at Camping World. That's a neutral site. So listen, I'll tell you a quick story about that. I was at the game covering it. A couple highlights there. Rich Waltz was doing play-by-play 
for that game. Uh, I think it was a Sun Sports with the, it's now Valley, but it was used to the Sun Sports. Rich Waltz was a longtime Marlins play by play TV voice. So I got to meet him at that game. That was a blast for me. I know there's a, fr- a mutual friend of ours that right now is cringing when he listens to that. Not as big of a Rich Waltz fan as I am. And then I, Jessica Blaylock, who you may see doing the Panthers and the Marlins and did the magic sideline for a long time. I got to talk to her and hang out with her as well. So, uh, look, it counts to me. As far as I'm concerned, it happened. It happened. <laughs> oh, it I, happened. I it just doesn't count. <laughs> but no, it wasn't true. a home game. But, <laughs> you know, and it's funny, too, you bring that up. Because Taylor Young brought it up, and what's a shame? I mean, obviously, I mean UCF got screwed. That when it comes to the whole thing, I'm you know UCF didn't really know what they were getting into. They they got the they got really hosed on this. Well, they some um, would argue they got thrown under the bus to kind of protect well, football. They did. Totally and, and, right. Yeah, and the whole thing with AJ Romso is complete BS. Um, yeah. The fact that he missed so many games over you know you know and they had a close personal relationship before. I I thought was was absolutely ridiculous and, and you know but unfortunately you right. know UCF well, that, chose that, not to fight the basketball stuff and we just have to accept it for what it is which, and point. listen listen I mean I understand I mean you understand football you you protect football at all costs so I get all that um well, but that was a thing that they, they had a legit case on that right but there were some people that wondered if it you know I mean and we've talked about this on the podcast you know they challenged the ruling that was risky because nobody usually wins an appeal had they lost that appeal UCF would not have been eligible in 2013 when they got to the Peach Bowl remember a lot of people like just take the penalty in 2012 it's the last year in conference USA who cares they challenged it they won had they lost that challenge that appeal. There was no fiesta ball. And boy, I, I don't there'll be a lot of angry people. But the other thing that was disappointing, and what I meant was that from an on the court, I mean it didn't matter because right, it was the NCAA violation, whatever. That was a team they beat Florida, they beat Miami. We talked to Taylor Young about it. They were UCF got ranked for the first time ever. And they were undefeated going into conference play. They had a young freshman, Isaiah Sykes, Keith Clanton. That was a team that looked legit to be a conference USA title contender and an NCAA tournament team, and they fell apart in the conference, they struggled and didn't even make the NCAAs to your point. I think they ended up going to CBI. It was a big disappointment and really, uh, you know, unfortunately a negative, one of the many, you know, reasons I think a lot of UCF fans, not the biggest Donnie Jones fans, but that was a disappointment. It goes back to your original point. We talked about earlier, Drew, we can't judge this win yet until we see what happens the rest of the way, because that's an example. You beat Florida. There's this great win Florida. That was an elite eight team that year with Billy Donovan as the head coaching company, but UCF fell apart in conference play and didn't make the NCAAs, which does take a hit on that Florida win as a result. Doesn't it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't have that significance, obviously uh, from that standpoint either. Well, I mean, it's still, I, I would, you know, rate it as, as one of the top two non home games in UCF history, along with the battle of Atlantis uh, where, you know, UCF upset UConn, and and Andre won the whole Drummond thing. Well, Florida State on the road last year was pretty good. I mean, that's a that's a good one. I, I you know it's 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 up in the in in the pantheon of elite wins. Uh, it's you know it's just it's not a home game. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, I'm going to die. No, I agree. And she game. put in her fit in Lonely's defense. It was a quote. It wasn't like she was being you know serious. Oh, I know. <laughs> I just can't put it in the same category. I mean, it's it's a neutral set, but I'll put neutral and road together because you lose that home court advantage. You know, even though Michigan had a lot of fans there, you heard it. It was loud. Uh, you know, that when when you get that student section in there and, you know, pound for pound, and I'll, I'll defend this, pound for pound, UCF has one of the best and loudest student sections anywhere. I, it kind of, it, it, it warms my heart. 
to, to hear when they really get into something because man they are powerful they they are they are hostile and and makes a home court home field advantage so valuable is and that's one of the cool things about college versus pro pro is very much more corporate a lot more sterile from that aspect you can't replicate the energy that a student section brings in a pro environment it, it just even the seattle seahawks you know it's if, if you had that full of students i mean that would break the scale well let's ask a current student in our group here, Bryson, what do you? I mean, you're hearing what Drew is saying here. Why don't we get more consistency out of the students from a basketball? I did not say more consistent. I did not say consistent. Well, I'm saying no. I'm saying. It. I'm saying. It. I, I, all right. All right. All right. All Can right. we? Because that you know, I am always, I'm always told we can't be a basketball school. They only care about football, and I'm like, we can't be that sort sided, can we? We can support multiple sports, and and. One of the things I liked is every time you, there's a good atmosphere, team plays well. There's a support. Can we? Can the use this program get the support from the fans? And, and to the, in the defense of the student section, they show up most of the time. But let's be real: there's other times they don't, especially on a weekend afternoon game and things like that. Where do you stand on this? As a current student, you're on campus a lot. Can basketball get that buzz? It I've seen it happen it, on and off, but can it happen consistently? So. Yeah, and you talk about those weekend those weekend afternoons nights thing and I think the the really the big thing is is that what is the big event that a student's going to want to go to? Football is usually that big one, especially when the two seasons are lined up together. Like let's fa- because let's face it, UCF UCF football is the thing that's that it has gained national notoriety a lot no, notoriety a lot more than UCF basketball is. So if you have to choose between going to a UCF football game uh, during a certain week where you have schoolwork to do too, and a UCF basketball game, you're gonna go to the UCF football game, especially when that UCF football game is later in the season, while UCF basketball is still kind of you know in the beginning of the season, and it's not until you know you know the next year calendar year where the where the quote-unquote big games where the tournament picture starts to really come into more of a focus that said though games like this these marquee games even if they're early in the season produce a really great atmosphere if you can get that's why it's so important i think for johnny dawkins to schedule these kinds of games because if you schedule these marquee type games you are going to get people to show up if you schedule it they will come i think is where the is the line is i'm sure of it no i'm kidding um, well, he, well he said this but to your point dawkins mentioned that in his media day that he wants to schedule marquee games to bring the people of central florida look i we talked to taylor young on the podcast about this Orlando's a competitive market, but there is an NBA team, you know, save your jokes, your magic jokes for another time. All right. <laughs> they, they are. It, it's an NBA property. It's entertainment. They haven't ever, Drew is closing his mouth, rightfully so. There's a lot of things to do in Orlando from a sports standpoint, from an entertainment standpoint. So to your point there, Bryson, you got to attract some marquee. Now I will say this well, in a couple of years. Well, that's not the only thing though, because I still cannot, because I, I talk about timing. And not, not only for UCF did this come right right after the football season ended with the Gasparilla Bowl, but think about the Michigan fans because the Michigan fans are going to be playing down, down I-95 in the Orange Bowl later. 
So that means Michigan fans are essentially turning uh, turning this into a Florida week long vacation because it's they can just good. leave the get leave the they can just leave this game and go down to Miami for the Orange Bowl in a few days. So there was a watch lot another of loss. I mean, it'll be beautiful. Yeah, broadcast talked about it. There was a lot of Michigan fans there too. So yeah, they were confused the timing, at times. Yeah. The time yeah. the timing was absolutely critical for both of these programs and it ter- ended up turning into in my opinion one of the biggest college basketball matches of the of the of tonight it was oh, the marquee I, game of the night uh, i would say it was years. definitely the marquee game of the night uh there was a you know people who pay attention there was a lot of buzz I and mean, this team this is the same team that beat florida state you know the the team hasn't changed the only difference is they're not all getting hurt with covid so you're seeing what we should have saw last year. You're, you're seeing the real UCF, and they're standing up. Well, so, and Johnny I, Dawkins has that cachet in college basketball. He, he does. That. He does. And, you know, the more you produce, the better the chance you are being able to bring in more guys to be able to, to keep this up. Because, you know, obviously, you know, we know college sports is cyclical outside of uh, a, a select few schools. But, I mean, you, you have to build some momentum. And last, last year was rough. Uh, the momentum wasn't there, but they were able to move some pieces around. They got a true center in place now, and it's really changed the dynamics of this team. We're seeing a lot more similar to when Taco Fall was here, where uh, just the, the middle of the court is just disrupted. In fact, you know, I, I'd venture to say that the, it's a more balanced, potentially balanced team, uh, just because everyone on the court is is a real scoring threat more so than uh, just, you know, either a shooter or a dunker in between. Well, you know about momentum. No one right now has more momentum than Darren Green Jr. I'm going to read you Jonathan Gavoni, who's an NBA draft analyst at ESPN, uh, tweeted out during the game, bunch of NBA scouts in the building here to watch. So he was at this game. Jonathan Gavoni, that's a big deal. Uh, Michigan to watch Michigan prospects, but it's UCF's Darren Green Jr. stealing the show with an incredible shooting exhibition, coming off screens, pulling off, pulling up off the bounce, and throwing in threes well beyond NBA range. Twenty-seven point seven of nine from the so far in the game. That that was during the game. A lot of scouts at the game, and Darren Green made a name for himself. And man, I'm super fired up for him. Because he worked his tail off. Remember, he uh, put himself in the NBA draft last year to get feedback. And clearly he listened to whatever the feedback he got back. He's a much different player. He's making himself some future money here, boys, with the way oh, yeah. he's playing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, and this, but that's what this is all about. That's why they designed the, the new draft system where you can declare. You, you basically talk to scouts and stuff. You find out what they want. And then you come back. Uh, I think that's a great thing that that would you like to see that? Football? Would you like Absolutely. to see that? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they they have uh they have a thing where you know you can submit your name and they kind of give you a little bit of a guessment. But the the deadline for uh, committing to the NFL draft or declaring for the draft is early January. It's like like barely after the season's over. That that's that's real short time. I remember when, when Blake Bortles before he committed, uh, you know, he had a very short window to make that decision. You know, between the the Fiesta Bowl and when he actually declared, so I would love to see something where they can pull back on it. Uh, the only negative to that is is college football signing day in February potentially disrupts things because you're recruiting based on the personnel you have left at that point. 
you know, yeah, I know most of the er signings done in the early signing period, but there are still signings done in the real signing day in February. Uh, be honest, I would love to see kind of the merge into a single one, maybe in, in January, and as opposed to having them split for a variety of reasons. But that's that that's a whole nother show to talk about. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But look, oh, Darren Green's gonna Darren Green's gonna be in the NBA real quick. He's gonna be in the NBA. I didn't believe that about a year ago, but he the way I've seen him play, because the league is gonna want shooting, they always want shooting, but Darren has shown this season that he's not just a spot-up shooter. He's not just a shooter. He can put the ball in the basket. He's got some a step-up, uh, you know, a, a nice in, median range game. And he can pass uh, the ball. Oh, yeah. He made a great pass. There was a pass he made to Mbake late in that second half for a layup that was beautiful. He He's so improved and, and good for him. And, I, and, and, great for, and a great example of how the rules there about entering the draft, like you mentioned, Drew, and coming back, benefits a guy like that i'd like to see that in football as well i think that would help some guys that maybe declare with me i mean not getting you know there's nothing wrong with having more information uh in this uh deal there uh right so, and we've seen for- football players do that you know like uh, a jacoby glenn or a dredrick snelson yeah. who who declared and and didn't get sniffed at the draft and end up kind of just quietly disappearing you know I would love for an opportunity for, for those players to get more information, make a better decision and, and not have to, you know, set themselves up like that where there's no recourse. It's, it's, you know, once you, you've hit that uh, declaration deadline, that's it. Uh, I would love to see something that yeah, they can, they can step back, maybe, maybe give them an extra month or month and a half because the drafts not for a few months after that. So, I mean, you know, as long as you, you're, you're, you come back before the combine, I think you should be fine. Uh, I mean, I'd love to see that, you know, something like that designed uh, just so that, you know, these players don't get, you know, caught, you know, listen to bad, inf- you know, bad advice. Maybe a parent got in the ear. Oh, you can go get, make some money, you know, in the pros, they make a bad decision and now they're stuck. So I, I'd love yeah. to see a way from the, to be able to come back from that. Agreed. Yeah, I wanted to just say to, to say this because I know we've been give uh, we've been giving a lot of love to Darren Green and well and for for sure well deserved. He had an absolutely great uh, great game tonight as we talked about the Matt Williams record. But throughout this broadcast, I felt like we've been neglecting a little something. I want to read this tweet from Luke Hetrick, who's a sports anchor for My News Thirteen. Three sixty. Yeah. He said the rest of the country needs to see Darren Green Jr. And Brandon Mahan in March, two of the purest shooters in the game. UCF is every bit of a tournament team. And I know we've been talking about Darren Green Jr., but you look at Brandon Mahan, he was the other part of that 62 of those of the duo that scored 62% of UCF's points. He got a he got five out of six from the thri- from the free throw line. He had seven rebounds, tied for the most with it with uh, Mbake Diong. And I mean Brandon Mahan absolutely excelled on both sides of the ball. Darren Green obviously had the long ball going and that long ball going, but Brandon Mahan was going on both ends of the court and absolutely excelling the entire time as well. But, but yeah, but here, and Drew brought this up earlier. The thing with Mayhem is he's just not consistent. He hasn't shown this consistently enough. He's been inconsistent when he's playing at this level. He's excited, but there's games where he doesn't perform. And that's going to be the key. The rest of the year, can he put a consistent year, put consistent performances? Now, in his defense, he has played better in the last four games or so, but got to be consistent. That's going to be the key in conference play is he's got to because 
what happened last year was once he had the big game against Florida State, teams like Houston, who are really good defensively in this league, a lot of teams do play well defensively. They focused on Brandon Mayhem, and he had no real counter to that. Yeah. Now, now I now I also have a question, because I, and I have a question, and it's kind of a question for you, Drew, because you've mentioned how this Michigan team is a little bit down from like the preseason depictions of yeah. where they had them at like number fifteen in the country or something like that. So, looking at the comparison, Michigan's had a forty a forty percent field goal percentage tonight. And you and and a forty one percent three point field goal percentage compared to that UCF has a fifty two percent field goal percentage sixty percent three point field goal percentage. You look at the offensive rebounds though, Michigan absolutely blew UCF out of the water in offensive rebounds, getting thirteen while UCF had five. So a lot of that early though, a lot of that early, a lot of right. that early. But my my question to you is is do you think that this was a, a something where where you diagnose what went wrong with Michigan is that they just couldn't really make an couldn't really make enough so obviously the defense was in question because UCF went on that big scoring run but that differential in score in scoring percentage with that offensive rebound thing they had the shots to do it like getting getting the rebounds back so is it just a matter of they did, weren't really good from shooting perspective or just on that well, I mean, when you you have to look at it in, in two different ways. You, you look at their three point percentage, it's a little short of forty one. That's actually pretty good. That that's not bad at all. I mean, if I, I would take forty one percent three point shooting every game. I'll take that in a heartbeat. Uh, their problem was they struggled in the inside game, and that's because UCF's interior defense is really strong, and that's what a lot of that forty percent from the field was coming from. On the flip side, sixty percent is unsustainable. In, in three-point shoot, You can't expect that. You know, UCF's second half was just absolutely out of this world. As I said early on, before before you came on, you put the Konami code in, you got all those lives in contract, but you can only do it once. And once you've done it, that's it. They did it going in the second half and, and just absolutely exploded. But you can't bank on that. Uh, right. You have you have to bank on a more realistic numbers. I mean, eight for 10 for Mayhan, 10 of 13 for Green, total from the field. Uh, that's not realistic shooting, uh, you know, for, for guys that are uh, shooting from the outside, from the mid range and, and sometimes inside, you know, that that's not realistic. Uh, you, you, so you have to look at it in two ways. You got to look at it on the good side from the defensive standpoint, but you also have to understand and accept the fact that those offensive numbers from those two are not sustainable the way they are. They can score 27 points and 26 points, uh, but on the shooting percentage, that you can't you can't bank on that. So right. you have to expect Darius Perry to go better than 0 for 9 from the field. Uh, you have to expect C.J. Walker to take more than two shots or uh, make two shots. He only took three. Uh, Isaiah Adams, you got to figure something out with him. Uh, you know, obviously, he's taking a step backwards, and that part of that is the depth of the team kind of rising up. Uh, Darius Johnson, you know, we're, I'm enjoying the seeing his growth. I'd like to see him become a little more aggressive. Uh, and kind of follow Perry's uh, lead on that. But that that's a kind of more of a, a secondary want, not a need. And it's uh, coming. It's coming. He's it's just, coming. He's it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. It's now, coming. Now, my other question is, and my other question is, two other big, big differentials in stats that I'm seeing with the comparisons. Assists. UCF, 20 assists. Michigan, 11. And then also in fast break points. UCF got 16. Michigan got six. Can you 
just kind of look at UCF, how UCF did as far as transition? Because obviously three points. Well, the transition is a bigger stat there because the assist and a lot of it is, you know, make or miss, right? I mean, well, and, and on the, the transition, a lot of that is a guy makes a steal and, and he makes one, you know, there's one or two passes with the extra man and, and they put it away. You know, uh, that, that four point swing, they get the steal, the dunk, they're down one. They, they steal the inbounds pass. They put it away. They take the lead crowd erupts. The energy is gone from Michigan, and and basically they're hanging on. They're they're no longer in control of this game, and they well, yeah. they they closed in, and, and it became a little back and forth for a short time. But they never really had control. Um, the UCF crowd uh, became electric. They got back into the game. Uh, that that was the cap of coming back from double digits down. Remember, so at, at that point, it, the momentum was all in UCF's favor. Well, and the thing that struck me in the broadcast, and we'll get to the broadcast questions, folks. I know I'm seeing them. We'll get to what happened at the beginning of the game. We'll get to the crew. I know you people are talking about it. We'll get to it. I promise you. I've not forgotten. But, hey, we won. We got a lot of comments, a lot of feedback, which is good. Um, Johnny, one of the things they said was fascinating. Coach Dawkins talked about pushing the tempo. He wanted to go up-tempo. That's, you know – some of that is because he wanted to use the depth, but somebody, I think he wanted to kind of Michigan hadn't played in a while. Maybe he felt he can wear him down, but you know, this team tall. and they're tall, right. And tall. It, that hurts speed and you want to tire them. Right. And this team could do it though. Past UCF teams couldn't, you know, you see a past UCF teams could kind of, you know, especially when you had taco, you couldn't really run with taco as much. Uh, this team can run and push the tempo and get some baskets that way. And their defense turning Michigan over helped in that too. And so I thought that was a big factor into the transition points uh, mm. as well. I mean, but look, it's a, it's a make or miss league. I mean, GCF shot what 60% from the three point line tonight. I mean, if you do that, you're going to beat a lot of teams. So um, it's you one do of those that, you beat any team. Let's, let's exactly. be honest. You do that for an entire game. You're winning your game. Um, just law of averages on that. Because your your overall field goal percentage is going is to probably be pretty good. Because in college ball, you're not going to just like shoot up two or three three pointers. No. That, that's not happening. You're putting I mean, up yeah. 10, 12, 14, if not more. That That's how normal college ball looks. So, I mean, if you're putting 60% up, you're beating anyone. Uh, so, I, I mean, it's it's awesome. This is what could happen when everything comes together in, in a singular in, in a singular moment, in a single half. But don't bank on it. That, that's not, that's what I'm saying is don't expect that. Uh, expect you know the team to do well, but I mean you can't expect those kind of numbers. They're just but not I, no. But I do think this team has shown they can win some different ways. Think back to the Temple win a few weeks back on the road. Ugly first half, couldn't get anything going offensively. They sped up the game in the second half, wore down Temple with their defense and some different op, you know pairs. So there are they have this team has different ways to win, and that's a good sign. That's a well, good they have sign. Depth. Remember, yes. last year they didn't have depth. They didn't have players in key positions. They had to play positionless basketball. They don't have to play positionless basketball this time. It actually gives them a lot more versatility in what they do. You've got you know multiple players uh, on the depth chart that can sh- can shift around from that experience, and because of that you can play the up tempo game, and you can substitute talented players in to maintain it. Uh, you know, a lot of a, a lot of teams, especially in the American, you know, they may have a decent front line, but they're not going to have a decent second unit, and and that's where you take advantage of you tire them. And so the first half was kind of, I don't want to say putzing around because that's not the right thing, but I mean, they 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 couldn't really find themselves. They were making a lot of unforced errors, mental mistakes, 
uh, halftime, and, and this goes back to how how good a coach Johnny Dawkins is. He 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 got them to tighten up, and he then out coached Jawan Howard in strategy. He saw what Michigan was was bringing. They planned. They were able to hang around, and then things just started to work. And I think that's partly why they're you know. Mayhan and Green had so many open looks. Is uh, they were just they added the extra pass. They were moving a lot quicker down the court. They were wearing down Michigan. Michigan was getting into foul trouble, which a lot of times is a result of fatigue. Uh, and, and it all adds up. Yeah, you talk about the foul trouble. You're talking about the foul trouble. I mean, it. You're looking at the difference between the first half and the second half. UCF went five for seven in the first half in the free throw line. The next half, ten for thirteen, almost double. The free, the free throw shots they had from the first half to the, to the second half. But I think the other big thing that, uh, that honestly for me was the major tale of this game is that between Michigan and UCF, UCF in the second half managed to not only to not only to manage to, they shot the ball less, but they managed to take advantage of it every single time. Well, they were efficient. They were efficient. When you make shots, you're efficient. With Michigan, it's a complete opposite effect. Michigan went 14 for 36 in the the first half, while the second half they went for 11 for 27. So they didn't really get shoot the ball off that that much, and they made less less shots than they did. did Well, part of that is they started settling for three-pointers, and they weren't getting as many offensive rebounds, so they weren't getting as many second chances. Uh, that was that was the big thing that was hurting them the first, you know, Seth in the first half was all those second chances. But if you look at those stats again, they both shot 33% from the field in the first half. I mean, it was it was an ugly first half, but that's what we've seen out of UCF from a defensive side. Uh, they make teams play below their season averages in shooting. That's what they do. Uh, which, you know, if you can't take advantage of that, leads to a halftime deficit. But what we saw in the second half, even if you scale it down a little bit, not away from the 60%, you know, from the from three-point line uh, for the game, actually it was 100% in the second half, uh, you know, scale that down a little bit. And UCF is still, you know, way ahead by by making all these mistakes. You know, they they were ahead uh, in the fouls. They, they you know, were... Well, they didn't they, turn the ball over. They didn't over. turn they the ball the over in the second half. Uh, was, they were much cleaner on, on turnovers. Uh, you know, four to three, you know, one thing that I noticed is the minutes distribution. UCF had two players, Green and Mayhan, who played 18 out of the 20 minutes in the second half. Uh, no one else played more than 13. Whereas uh, you had two players from Michigan, Jones and Brooks play all 20 and Dickinson played 18. You know, that's a lot. You know, they, they've already played a lot to begin with. In fact, Dickinson and Jones played 18 in the first, first half. So when you actually look at it from the from the whole, the top three minute eaters of this game were all on Michigan's side. That's a sign of growing fatigue. Dickinson four fouls. And that's why Dawkins minutes. wanted to push the game up tempo to because he felt he had he knew he had more bodies. Well, and you can create errors that way. You know, you yep. don't give a chance a team a chance to settle down, uh, to 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 reset, hit their defensive sets. Uh, you push the ball. You you you. You get them off balance. You make them jump uh, without being set, and and you're going to get called for a foul, especially a big man. You take it right to a big man's face. You know when you're when you're going, you know, you know, driving up the, uh, you know, going up the court and you know, slashing down the side. 
you know, you want to take it towards a, a, a center or a power forward who's not going to have a chance to set their feet and maybe in the circle, and you're going to draw a foul. Speaking of big man, um, Mbake Young and CJ Walker, like even though Green and Mayhan obviously took a lot of the a lot of the attention with their with their scoring, I really like what they were doing as far as rebounds. And even Mbake Young got nine got nine points, which is the third most any player on this team scored. Well, defensively, but, defensively, right. that's but their CJ, game, yeah. But um, I, one moment that really stood out to me in this game, but I still remember, is from CJ Walker, where basically what happened is they were covering someone that cl- kind of close to the basket, and one of the UCF defenders that was covering the ball handler got drawn away, and so Michigan and so Michigan was go, the Michigan guy was going to go around and get it. CJ Walker came came right towards the basket, manages to swat the ball away, but then he just slams down on his tailbone, like taking all of that hit. And, and he then, got called for a foul right. too. Right, exactly. <laughs> but it's 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 game it's moment that moment right there really stuck out and really I think showed me how how impressive this this front court um this court this uh. Blah. And Bakke Young and CJ Walker, the big men of this team, are full are and how and I guess again they talked about how go, you know going up them talk about the depth and just talk about how talented this team is and I think above all I think tonight this team sh- tonight showcased the talent that it has and that talent I think is NCAA tournament worthy as a lot of hopefully people are talking about hopefully well, well, that's yeah, hopefully about that but I'm it's I think it showcased their defensive talent more than anything. Yes, because I mean, Bakke, uh, his his ability is to disrupt. He doesn't have to actually do anything, you know, like like Taco Fall. His ability is to disrupt. And uh, there was a sequence where he had a block, but was taken out of the play because of the block. And then C.J. Walker swatted the ball out of bounds. And of course, you know, the fans get riled up and excited because I mean, it's a great defensive sequence. That's what these two players bring is is a defensive energy. You know, they may may you know not uh, do all this you know, you know more blue collar work. You know, they they're not sinking the threes and whatnot. But I mean, they're getting dirty. You know, defense is dirty, right? and that's where champions are made. Is if is you, you got to stop the other team. You know, the offense will will find a way, and we saw it today. You know, players get hot, they find a way, but if you can't play defense if if your defense is is more religious than kevin love full of holes oh, uh, wow, there you're, oh. you're 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 not you're not gonna win yeah i know a cleveland well, guy making fun of uh, kevin love's lack of defense i know uh, but but seriously it, it comes down you know cj walker is is he's a he's an energy player he's a high energy high flyer that's the stuff he gets he, he reminds me of a more talented chad brown you know, a guy who's willing to get dirty. I agree with that. I agree with uh, that. You know, smack the ball, take a, a hit. A more athle- got- an athletic version of Chad Brown. A more yeah, talented I, well, A little more athletic, a, a better offensive player, yeah. uh, more potential. Uh, but I see very similar. Uh, see a lot of similarities in their in their mentality of, of just get get in the trenches, the defensive trenches. It's not glorious, and it and it hurts. But hey, it leads to a win. All right, this is uh, Night Shift here on the Black and Gold Banneret where you're tuning in. Eric Lopez, Drew Glukoff, Bryson Turner. A couple quick notes here before we move on to uh, some of the television perspectives. That was, I thought for a while, that was going to be our main subject on this show. Uh, Mike with a great stat, Mike Doty. 78.5% of the Michigan's minutes were in their starters. 66% 
were from UCF starters. UCF's main players were considerably more rested. I agree with that. Gus Malzahn has chimed in with his opinion on this game, and I think it's an important one, <laughs> on Coach Gus uh, on the Twitter. A dominant win for UCF men's basketball over Michigan. Congrats, Coach Dawkins. Hashtag charge on. So Gus has spoken. We we like seeing, you know, these, these inner sport, you know, support. That's important. Uh, you, you want – the different programs to support each other because you want the students to also support the different sports. And, and I think they kind of feed off each other. Lonely Bumblebee jump going after you, Drew, saying Kevin Love locked yeah, down blind Steph Curry squirrel. game seven. <laughs> blind squirrel finds <laughs> nut. Yeah, I watched that game. I cried afterwards. In a good in a way. A lot of people in a good I was gonna say in a good way. Let's in get into way. the te- let's get into the television side of things because there was a lot of drama with this, especially at the beginning when this game didn't air on ESPN2, the first half basically chimed in, was airing on ESPN News because our old buddy Josh Heupel and Tennessee, here's a shocker for all of us, he lost a close game where his team played, couldn't play a lick of defense. Where have we heard that before, Drew? So as a result of that game taking forever, which was another patented pattern Josh Heupel uh, uh, specialty, playing marathon games, the Peach Bowl and that garbage worthless exhibition between Pittsburgh and Michigan State was moved to ESPN2. Without picking or Walker, mind you. Yeah, but bowl games, too many. Anyway, so that got moved to the deuce, and as a result, men's basketball got bumped to ESPN News. My phone and my timeline exploded. There were people literally angry trying to find the game. Why isn't my game on? Where is it, Aaron? And Drew, you were telling me you were having trouble getting the game online, correct? What was uh, what was going well, on there? The the problem was they didn't update the app. You know, ESPN, you know, they put the games on as they start. Well, I'm looking, I'm looking. I see Music City Bowl on ESPN, Peach Bowl on ESPN too. I'm scrolling through all the plus stuff, nothing. And it took a while. I think it was 1614 by during that timeout, by the time that the ESPN news stream uh yeah as as mike as mike doty says espn plus didn't list it at all because it was never meant to be on espn plus right uh, so it, it was never going to be there so i'm looking I'm like well maybe they moved it for you know overflow but i couldn't find where they moved it found out it was espn news it wasn't until it was 16 14 they actually updated the broadcast to be able to access it and you were able to access it through the first hand uh, the first half and then it moved over to ESPN too. But the handoff on this was just absolutely horrendous. And heck, I have to talk about the game and I can't see the beginning. And so I'm busy pest, you know, pestering, you know, Kyle Nash, who's there covering the game for us to kind of tell us what are we seeing? Because we're not seeing anything. I mean, I have ESPN news, so I was fortunate, but I was very much in the field. My phone was like, where is this game? And I, I had to tweet everybody what was going on. Uh, so, but again, blame Josh Heupel for this because he was playing. What bowl game was he playing at? What, uh, what music, the Music City Bowl, Home Bowl in the tennis in Tennessee, which by the which by the way, uh, that had its own co- like complete Twitter blow up because of people <laughs> saying he got the touchdown, he got the touchdown. Like, well, let, let, let me get. Let, it was a very dramatic game. I'll tell. You, I'll. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. If you if you like no defense and like mediocre play, absolutely. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, th- this was a hypo game in a heartbeat. You know, d- just naturally, where defense. Yeah, Drew. Drew. This is what I want right now. This is what I want for old time's sake. Hold on. For old time's sake, Drew. 
Give me a quick a quick notes knee jerk reaction to a Josh Heupel game, which you were very familiar with, because uh, it was funny. I didn't see the game because I don't watch bowl games unless UCF's playing. I could care less. Uh, there's only there's only <laughs> you three can't games miss because it, it it impacted your ability to watch. Yes, games. it did, and of course it had to be Josh Heupel, of course, and that. But oh, he just. But so because. Early in the game, I guess he was doing well, but he's like, man, Josh Heupel, you know, Tennessee fans are all excited. Oh, look at all this offense. And then, of course, Second at the quarter, end. They, 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 you know, wet the bed. Uh, Purdue came back in. By the way, Purdue's quarterback is a walk-on. He threw oh, for God. over 500 yards. Congratulations, Tennessee. You lost to a walk-on at quarterback. And he threw for over 500 yards. I mean, maybe it wasn't all. Maybe it wasn't Randy Shannon's fault after all, right? No, Randy Shannon had no chance to make it work. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, Tennessee gets the ball. It's it, you know, it was, I can't remember if it was third, fourth quarter, and they're near their goal line. And they what do they do? A prompt three and out, and they punt it. I mean, the defense had no chance to rest. Uh, they're giving up big plays. I mean, the the touchdown by the tight end, that sixty-seven yarder, where he breaks three, you know, three guys trying to tackle him, and then you know carries a couple into the end zone on this rumble that was just just absolute highlight worthy i that's that's the hypo defense in a nutshell those guys were tired they're just hanging on the guy and he's just running in he can't stop him uh obviously there was some controversy in this one it went into overtime controversy on fourth and goal uh hypo hypoed the game uh instead of settling for the the guaranteed points he went for it and in a very controversial manner, uh, was ruled short of the of the of the goal line, and I can see they where blew a lot the of whistle, people... right? Momentum. They stopped. They said that the momentum well, was stopped. Here's the thing, and you're going to get arguments on this one. The whistle didn't blow. However, the ref who was managing that side, the the referee on that side, started to 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 wave to rule him down. The whistle hadn't gone yet, but he was he he basically he said. It's at this point because the reach happened at the very end. So that's why it went to review. And that was the explanation that Josh Heupel gave or was given. (laughs) That's the, are you bleeping kidding me? That was funny. That was good TV. Yeah. Uh, No, we're not kidding. You should have kicked the field goal, gone for the points and played for the next over. Cause you know what? You stopped Purdue on the following possession, but they kicked the field goal and won the game. Oh, two passes. And what do you know? Another one score loss. He's now three and ten in one score games. And for you Tennessee fans, look and look, it's a good guy. Nothing personal. This is more of a sports critique than than personal. Nothing personal. And look, they got to a bowl game. And look, Tennessee's been so bad that they're they'll take anything. But I was reading. I mean, I was seeing some of the people. They were talking like, "Man, he's going to lead us to the track." Like, you're not going to win anything relevant. He's he just doesn't get it. He's an offensive coordinator that's playing a head coaching role. Their defenses are going to be terrible. Teams will figure them out by year three. This is his, they're not going to win anything meaningful. And he finds where they find ways to lose games. Like the thing that my big conclusion from all this, there's no way UCF would have won nine games. If Josh was still here. Not at all. Not in, and not at all. Uh, not in the slightest. Uh, I maybe half that, maybe 4.5. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm sorry I let us. I, I'm, sorry, I, I'm sorry I went ahead and brought this up because you guys seem to have gotten really mad. Yeah, I'm mad because it, it, it made I, you I, watch I, a bowl game. This made you watch a bowl game, Eric. How dare they ESPN make you watch I, a bowl I game? I watched 
two so, bowl games today. Uh, Drew likes so, this stuff. I, so. I don't. I had to pay attention, though, to a Josh Heupel game, which I don't. I went through this for three years. I had I, to watch I, I, mayonnaise. Don't even get us started on <laughs> hey, that. For, for, hey, at least for the memes, that was pretty funny. But look. I mean, this I, game I, took, I, what, how I long was this game? slow motion. I mean, look, wait, the spot afterwards what, looked like an alien what, got murdered. I mean, it. it <laughs> I actually that, that poor guy. I mean, his hair is going to be great because I mean that that's probably like killer conditioner. My God, you're going to be smelling like mayonnaise for weeks. Now, I, I wanted to add, to ask you though, Drew, because I, because I also watched the game on es uh, on ESPN on es on the ESPN app, and so but I went about it maybe a little a, a little differently from you, or maybe you didn't, or maybe you did. But what I did when I looked for the game is that I went immediately to either the NCAA men's basketball tab, the little circles that show the little circles that down a little scroll down a little ways. It's either the NCAA men's basketball thing or the American athletic conference icon. I clicked on either one of those because I had to go to change rooms when I was watching. Cause I had it shouldn't be that complicated. So, it's they not complicated at all. You literally scroll down like just a little bit clean. and it's and right it's there and it's right there. My point is, is that, is that you know it's not like on the upper icons or where on the upper screens or whatever that are at the very top but when you look at but when you know like when you go to like the aac home that's how i watch all the other espn plus ucf content and i get to that like right away so that, well, yeah i don't I, know I mean, i'm just all i'm saying is that my experience with the espn app was a lot simpler this time well i i'm normally you know you normally you just go and and, and you can find it if, even if you scroll down like you were saying course i click on it at seven o'clock and it says it hasn't started yet so i was like well i'm still i'm still old school i'm oh. watching on television here so i can flip a channel I mean, well you, you know, still I... use rabbit ears no i'm not not yet well, now, that I, part yet. I will say now i actually it's funny because i had that pr- that problem with the espn app before drew i had that issue with a previous with the e- with the other espn event on, on ucf event on espn it was a soccer game and I just had I went ahead and just left it there, and that before seven, I clicked on it, said, and it just said, you know, blah 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 seven. I just left it there because I thought it was going to start while I was doing my research. And look, like look, we, we can make starts and it didn't change, and I'm nope. like, crap. So why well, didn't leave it? What that taught me is unless the thing, um, unless the unless the red live is being shown in the bottom left corner of the of the icon of the game, a game. Don't click on Look. the game until that happens and refresh the screen until you see it because that was another thing. Well, that- I, I did that too. It was just the handoff between the, the networks, just it, it didn't update, it took a while. Look, and this, uh, we can make all the we can make all the excuses and reasons. There's one person to blame for this, and it's Josh Heupel. Because with Josh Heupel, you're going to get four and a half hour games. Because God forbid you run a play every two seconds, and the the clock has to stop after first downs, and nobody plays defense. It's oh, five wait, wait. foot. Don't forget all the fake injuries. There was oh, a lot God, of yeah. them. Oh, I bet. I'm, wow, injuries. what a shot! Well, it's like it's guy like it's guy like turn back the clock, and it's another one score loss. Can we just get Tennessee on the schedule already? Come on, what are we waiting on? Let's get Tennessee on the schedule. I don't want a loser to have to deal with being having mayonnaise poured on. Actually, the problem is though. I mean, by in a cup now, that's good. It actually playing Tennessee will probably hurt her schedule strength. Really, the way I, I want oh. Frenches to to create the Frenches Mustard Bowl, and I will sign up for that one. All right. So I think, I think we'll just have to see what the the schedule openings would be, openings would be. Um, I found this other tweet I wanted to I wanted to say though because I know we've been we talked a lot in negative. About Josh Heupel, of Josh Heupel, that it's you know it's fun to do it. I had a lot of fun. I mean, it's pretty but, accurate. But, what are you? But I want, but I think that I want to bring this back around because I just found this tweet from David Bauman, 
that I think was really good. It quoted the UCF, the at UCF night Twitter account that said been a pretty good week and showed a picture of the UCF Michigan game. And then uh, showed a picture of Ryan O'Keefe during the Gasparilla bowl. And you look at David Bauman and I want to see what you, your thoughts on it, this Eric and drew, because I think you'll relate to this a lot more than I can. And that is imagine 10 years ago saying UCF would beat Florida in football and Michigan in basketball in the same week. This program's rise has been something special. I'd well, yeah. <laughs> look, look, way down uh, the pipe, man. <laughs> first of all, a couple of things. Uh, David Bauman, good to see him. You know, I, I produced his morning show. He's a good friend. I've done spotting for him when he's done broadcast. So I know David for a long time. I'm just happy he's tweeting something other than the magic. The poor guy has been a loyal cover of the magic. Nothing positive has happened there in a decade. And here's a, a good one, UCF with the, you know, back-to-back there. So I'm just glad he's tweeting something that's not Magic-related. Hey, has uh, the Magic been demoted to the CBA yet? Not yet. Not yet. Uh, not yet. But, look, it's been a good week. It's been a, Look, maybe the better question is, should UCF just move all their sporting events to Thursday night? Think about the win against Florida, the win against Michigan, the Boise State game, although technically that fin- that start- was a Friday morning game. It started game, it? on Thursday, though. <laughs> it started. It just so, – Took a while. There you go. So why not? Let's have every game move to Thursday, huh? Thursday night. That was a very late night for me. I didn't I didn't get to bed at like four in the morning. <laughs> we were on the air at three in the morning. Um <laughs> that uh, and we did a big number for that show. Uh Bryce, it was were you up with us, Bryce? I think you I don't know. Yes. Uh, oh yes, I was. I was wasn't that the one where I snuck in and did it in my car? <laughs> yes. 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 And we felt yeah, and we said, let's not make Drew do that ever again. Uh, <laughs> which I have not. <laughs> no, let's get him out of let's get him out of the building there. So anyway, so that's what happened with the TV side of things, and you know it's just unfortunate. Look, I don't, I can't blame the networks because football does draw bigger viewers, even a garbage game like the Peach Bowl. So I understand the moves. I don't they blame made. the Peach Bowl. The Peach Bowl was on a schedule. Not well, I, I, I would have, I mean, just start the peach ball on ESPN news, man. Who cares? Like none of the marquee guys are playing, but it's Pitt and Michigan state. Like, but you know, no, you're right. I look at the end of the day, football is going to get priority over basketball in a situation it, like that. Music city ball. Uh, blame I, Josh that's Heifel. what I'm saying. Josh, blame Josh like old days. Let's just blame Josh. Cause again, you can't play a lick of defense and he makes questionable play calling and they lose by one score. So I, nothing's changed. A, a walk on quarterback. Walk-on and he's the guy that could win the Steve Spurrier Award you were telling us about on the podcast? Are yeah. you kidding? Oh. Josh Heupel was one of three. We all know who the guy is going to win it. And I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's not Gus Melzahn. What? It's, Who's your pick? It's Shane Beamer. Shane oh, yeah. Beamer is going to win that. Uh, he, he, Heupel, and, and Melzahn were the three. I, I Shane Beamer has done an absolutely magical job at South Carolina with a big single-season turnaround. at two wins last year. Uh, I don't know if you checked Twitter, but apparently uh, Dennis Dodd has become um, the national villain right now because he uh, poo-pooed the whole mayo thing. Look, I don't like mayonnaise, but hey, it was a cool gimmick. People enjoyed it. People tuned in for for a you know non New Year's Bowl game to watch this stuff. It was great for ratings and it and also it was a good little they, they, a little bit of money for charity. So I mean, it, everyone won. And both coaches were firmly on board of doing this. Uh, they, they Are both... you suggesting the college media, football media, grumpy, grouchy? No. Well, I mean, we all know Dennis Dodd is. But apparently Dennis Dodd said the ceiling for South Carolina at media day was two wins. And, and he wasn't Shane alone. Beamer, in on Twitter, let him have it. And, you know, 
national media members, you know, all over the place, uh, joined in. Um, uh, Don needs to kind of take the L on this one. He got he got heavily taken to task. Hey, but I, mean, I think this cements Shane Beamer I, as as the guy who should win the Spurrier Award. In spirit of dunking on Josh Heupel some more, I just found this Christian Simmons tweet. One oh. thing that hasn't changed about Heupel since he left for Tennessee: Volunteers went one and three in single score games this year. I feel so- I'm shocked he didn't like critique their jerseys. But anyway, let's move on on that. Uh, by the way, of that award, I'm not touching that one. Why is Blake <laughs> Anderson? No, what, what, let me ask you this, Drew. In all seriousness, why wasn't Blake Anderson nominated for that? Took a Utah State team, and Mike well, brought this up. Now. Only, one had, win to eleven. I I I thought Blake Anderson should have should have gotten heavy consideration. Um, I mean, the problem is you can only narrow it down to three, and you know Tennessee had a massive amount of transfers out. You know that was a team that was patched together. I have to give Hypo a lot of credit on that one. Uh, that was not a team that was expected to do anything this year. Uh, South Carolina, another team team that was not expected to do anything this year and and then malzahn this his nomination goes back to the fact of they are recognizing the amount of injuries that ucf has had to deal with including malzahn himself sell himself too and they excelled uh i i think anderson was more deserving than hypel but i mean shane beamer who should win it is is an excellent guy though yeah, no, I think he should, he should get recognition. That's a heck of a job he's done uh, turning that program around. Speaking of coaches, Johnny Dockett, who knows? Maybe he could, if, if UCF keeps playing this way, he could be up for some national awards. That's a cheap way to bring up the fact that he had these comments, courtesy of our good friend Trace Trelko, who covered the game over there video-wise. Here's what Mr. Johnny Dockett had to say about the UCF win and whether he was surprised by it or not. Our guys, the shots you see our guys shooting in the games are the shots our guys shoot in practice. And so that's why I have so much confidence in, in what they're able to do because I get to see it every day. And so nobody's out there doing anything I hadn't already seen them do. And I've seen Darren Green take, you know, 25, 28, 30 footers you know, when he's in rhythm like he was tonight. And uh, we're fine with that because, you know, we believe in him and we've seen him have success doing That was Johnny Duggan. Not surprised by the shooting because he sees it in practice, boys. A very confident. And he said this all year, especially about Darren. You know, he's seen it with the hard work, and that's why he trusts going to Darren in big situations there. But that was Johnny Dawkins on whether he was surprised by the performance there. Uh, I, I think it goes back to the, the fact that he says he he has faith. He trusts his players because it's stuff he's seen before. Th- that's a that's a very motivating thing. Uh, you know, you, you even after the win to say, hey, I have trust in my players and what they do. Uh brings them up you, you've got even even in, in bad situations you still gotta you still gotta bring a, a degree of positivity in there you know these are not these are still kids they're not they're not professionals they're still learning they're still kind of figuring themselves out uh, you have to have still that level of nurturing to to bring them up and and to, to give them that stamp of approval say you know i have faith in what my guys are doing i've seen this before i know they can do it again is going to motivate them to try and make it happen again you know, you want that confidence. You know, you you want that we can beat anyone mentality. Uh, you you have that. You can't then beat anyone. Uh, any team can win any game on any given day. It's why we play the games. Uh, but if you don't have the confidence to do it, you're never going to do it. So I, I think these are really good comments as we get into conference play to to keep positive momentum uh, going towards. You know, you know, this is a team that can compete for a league title. Uh, 
uh, you know, Houston is vulnerable. You know, Houston, Very the hope is that UCF's able to ride the you know ride the wave, and that Houston can hold on for dear life, so that you know the Knights can smack them in the face and knock them down when when the time comes for them to play. You know, obviously we don't know Houston's dealing with a lot of injury issues. Uh, thankfully, knock on wood, UCF hasn't yet. And well, you well. Well, and this is the thing. The biggest thing I think for not just UCF, but for the rest of college basketball in the, you know, and John Rossing has tweeted this out and it's true is think, uh, think positive and test negative. And I think we all know what that means with all the protocols and testing that's going on. I mean, you've seen UCF women's basketball uh, couldn't play against Princeton. Now their game against Temple, their conference opener against the uh, Temple on Sunday, that's been scrapped. That's because Temple has some COVID uh, protocol issues going on there so i'm just saying that could be as big of a factor and we saw this last year and unfortunately we're kind of seeing this uh again this year johnny dawkins by the way the man is multitasking he did the post-game interview and of course uh, with the media and now he's tweeting man they stepped up big in a second half tonight the guys were locked in night nation was loud hashtag charge on we talked about this earlier bryson about the student section and in fairness they do come out more this could be more of a call out for the general public in Central Florida to support this team, right? Some people have commented to me about, about our conversation on this. You know, the students will be there most of the time. Could they be there every game? You know, maybe it's a lot to ask. Who knows? Yeah, you do have classes. But this is also the community's got to step up here and support this team. You can't use the excuse that the Magic are really good because they're not. Uh, this is a good product. And football's over, to your point. And this is a good product overall. I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the year, but I think we all can agree. This is a good product, uh, and I'm, I'm excited to see hopefully how this thing goes. But, right, Bryson, and I kind of I put a bow on this topic. If this team can get that support uh, from, an, from a fan standpoint, it can make a difference, and that could help them, too, win some of these games that we're talking about come conference play. Oh, yeah, I, I think so, especially – I think so. Look – I mean, you talk about like we talked like you know Johnny Dawkins talking about having faith in his team. I I think one of my favorite things about UCF as an athletic program is I absolutely think I think that ev- almost every single coach that I have met or interacted with in any way, Johnny Dawkins, Gus Malzahn, Dana Boone with track and field, Todd Dagenet in volleyball, Tiffany Rob, like I mean, all, all these coaches are absolutely ama- amazing coaches in their in their own ways. And and Johnny and Johnny Daw- and in this case it was a showcase tonight for Johnny Dawkins and his abilities right here. And I honestly think that that should be enough because these are people you can rally around, and I think that they deserve to be rallied around. Like Absolutely. basketball, basketball, and one of the big differences I think between basketball and football is that basketball has a lot more um, pressure put on the individual than a football team might do. For instance, like obviously, like obviously if you have that one big football player that everybody loves, like that everybody loved, you're going to draw some attendance for that. But there's 11 guys on, on the football field for one team at any one time for basketball. There's only 10 guys, 10 players on the court for both teams. So in basketball, the individual pressure is uh, it, at least for a drawing a crowd, I think is a little more heavy than it is in football. That's why I think UCF basketball got a lot of notoriety because Taco Fall was here because Taco Fall 
can draw a crowd. Aubrey Dawkins being the the son of Johnny Dawkins draws a crowd. This UCF this UCF basketball team up until this point maybe didn't really have that just yet. Didn't really have that kind of maybe single factor that could draw a crowd, and especially when you have you're, you're competing with you know Gus Malzahn in football. But tonight we got some we got. A, a, a an individual that is able to draw those crowds because Darren Green doing what he did tonight, I think could be the, the impetus, especially now the football's out of the picture, can now maybe draw that crowd because seeing what Darren Green, Brandon Mahan, and Bakke Young, seeing what these pe- what these play these talented players are able to do, I think that that now this game has given gives the opportunity for the community to to rally around this team. This is a performance that the community can rally around. And I think that especially it being the first game after football season is over is absolutely crucial for this team going forward, at least as far as the atmosphere goes. Well, I think the right. point that it's the first that it's after football is over, you know, football, you know, you mentioned, you know, 22 guys on the field versus versus 10. The stadium is also four times the size. So I mean, you have to you have to fill in a lot more people. Uh, there's only so much time to go around, and the more games you have, we see this with baseball. The more games you have, the 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 better the chance of people not going on a regular basis because your time is valuable. You can only do so much. You know, hey, there's only six or seven football games a year. That's fine, but you know, there's double the you know amount plus of of basketball games. Hell, I, I'm going to have to pick and choose which ones I go to. Very true. Uh, that that's the nature of the beast. That's something that. You, you're not going to be able to change that. It's just part of it. But you also have a smaller venue. So, you know, basketball, like volleyball and other sports, like those indoor sports, they're more intimate. Uh, you know, you can have less people there and make a bigger impact. You know, the, the, you have, even if you have, you know, 3,000 students, they can be 3,000 very loud students, whereas you really need 10,000 students in the football stadium to, to do what they do. Uh, obviously, there's more at every game than that, but I'm just saying you can have less than that and still be very effective. Oh, very true, very true. But the it, but but my argument is is that the idea of like of making people choose of whether to go to a sporting event or not that's universal. The venue, the venue, at least as far as the size and the impact it has on the field of play, doesn't really enter into it. the The universal factor is what draws you to go to a sporting a sport a sporting event and that's kind of what I was trying to say before. Well, also, what I should also, drive you is what is the that block those three block letters. That's what should be driving you to go to a game. I also will say this with the current climate and everything. Support could go in different ways. It's not just going there in person, it's watching the team play, uh, you know, and there's a lot of different variables to do it. Listen to games on the radio. There every game for UCF basketball is on the radio. Uh, Scotty Adams, congrats to you. Got to call a pretty significant win in your there. Uh, with Taylor, who does a great job doing color. Mark obviously does all the games. So, to me, there's a lot of different ways to support the basketball. And I think the positive, I will say this real quick, but it's, we're going to wrap up this show because we've get on a long time. <laughs> um, the fact there was a lot of people upset that this game didn't air on ESPN 2 to start is a positive. I like that a lot, right? Because you were that one of them. Right. Well, yeah, darn right I was. I was one. Well, I, I would have been finding the way if I could find the freaking game. But I think people care, and I think that's what that's what we're saying. People care, and uh, let's support this team, man. This team's going to be fun. We'll see what happens well, moving remember, forward. Passion's yeah. a double-edged sword. Uh, the opposite of love is not hate. It's apathy. Uh, so, you know, we have a very passionate fan base at UCF. 
and that can go both ways. You know, we I've been on the receiving end of some very angry people on Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah, usually because they can't read the timestamp of my post. What did JP Gilbert tell you now? No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding, JP. No, kidding. JP was supposed to come ask questions. I'm very sad. I'm 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 disappointed. I love that word. Oh, no, no, no. He did. He asked about the broadcasters. Okay. Well, he didn't go on the YouTube, so I never get to see. Okay. He no, gets no, to he, pass that. He, 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 he asked gets, about you the You get to live for another day, JP. Rich Hollenberg, John Crispin, Colville. Some people not a fan, you know, which I called, by the way. We had our group chat. Remember, we had this argument, debate internally about about the broadcast. We, we go behind the scenes stuff. Uh, it's a unique style. It's more of a hardcore basketball broadcast. And, yeah, they were very – they, they talked a lot about Michigan. Michigan was the high-profile team. That tends to happen sometimes, especially in basketball. You're not as familiar with UCF. I didn't have as big of an issue. I, there was the one comment, and I think this was what JP was referring to. There was a comment, and Crispin, I like Crispin. He knows his basketball, but he tends to kind of get out of control sometimes. He was talking about how these kids don't remember the Fab Five. Well, of course they don't. The Fab they Five was in the early 90s. <laughs> they, right, they were in the early 90s. Of course, they're not 30 years old, so – he gets a little out of control there sometimes, but I mean, um, most of these kids, I mean, only the 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 upperclassmen were going to be a, were, were around for nine eleven. I most yeah. of the most of these kids weren't even alive yet. So I mean, come on, you you got to be able, you got to under read the room a little bit better and understand. Yeah, he kind of got ahead of him. So he got yeah, and sometimes he got, I think a, he got a little caught up because you know Jawan Howard is yeah. there and stuff. Hey, look, you know. Uh, Johnny Dawkins played from 82 to 86. I was barely born when he played, uh, you know, being born in 82. You know, I'm old, I know. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I, these kids, they don't, you know, these players, they, they don't know uh, the, as much about the scene in person coach uh, legacy that these, these coaches had as players. Uh, all, all you could do is, you know, watch it on TV or something. But, I mean, I, if that's the worst thing that happened, that's really not bad. No, I agree. So it was fine. It is what it is. But look, the most important thing is UCF won 85-71 over Michigan. Yeah, if you don't uh, like it, just mute it and put on the radio broadcast. Yeah, you know, or follow follow Drew and Kyle Nash, who's at the game, and myself as we tweet about the game. Yeah, well, I was I was kind of mixed between the, the, the Music City Bowl just because it went into ludicrous speed in the fourth quarter. And then, and you know, trying to find the game. Yeah, by the way, Eric Rivers, yeah, I had, you know, I have these notes. I have notes. I was going to talk. I was going to bring up the hula bowl. I was going to bring up the, you know, the year in the fall for soccer and volleyball. But because of Josh Heupel, can't do it. Sorry, we ran out of time. And I really, I was looking forward to doing that. Uh, blame Josh Heupel, you know. But also, it's probably, I'm kind of glad in a way because that means UCF won. If you, I had material for either game, result. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it is. we will talk Hula Bowl. Keep it on blackandgobetter.com. My two friends over here, Drew and, of course, Bryson and Kyle, they're all on uh, Hula Bowl Project. That's all we're going to say. It's a secret. They're Bowl on Hula Bowl, Hula Bowl assignments they're working on. Keep it on blackandgobetter.com for all the details. Kyle will have a recap of the UCF win over Michigan. We'll have the postgame press conference from Johnny Dawkins as well as on our YouTube page. Make sure you subscribe to it. Like us. And on Twitter and on Facebook, you know, that's what we all like to see. As you know, UCF Banneret underscore SBN. Like us on Facebook, blackigobanneret.com. TV numbers for Gasparilla Bowl. I have it up there. I was hoping to get some Michigan UCF basketball numbers. It's going to be a little trickier since we only had a half a game on ESPN2, <laughs> but we'll figure it out. 
Uh, but we'll be covering all UCF football, basketball, lots of football offseason news. That's year-round. Somebody said football season's over. I know some of you are saying, no, it's not. It's never over. And hey, you're this, right. Let the silly season begin. Exactly. But that will do it for this edition of Night Shift. Drew, Bryson, this was a fun one. Final Night Shift of 2021. What a last two shows in particular. Awesome. And oh. uh, always great to talk a UCF victory here with a basketball edition, beating Michigan 85-71. Thanks for, uh, for uh, hanging out with us. Yes, thanks for hanging. We appreciate it. Tune in next time. It was fun. It was a really fun show. We'll talk to you again in 2022. But until then, go to uh, bed. For, for everybody, this has been Night Shift on the Black and Gold Banneret. Good night.